Hi, <laughs> uh, I'm Jen Harris. I am a columnist for the LA Times food section. Uh, I am joined by Irving Fain, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Bowery Farming, the largest vertical farming company in the US. Uh, and also Chef Tom Clicchio, who you may recognize uh, from as many times on TV advocating for independent restaurants over the pandemic, um, Better School Nutrition, uh, also executive producer and lead judge on Top Chef. Nice to be here with you guys. Thank you. All right, let's let's dig into this. <laughs> um, okay, can can we start with? Can you guys give us kind of a, a brief overview of what Bowery Farming is and, and what you're hoping to achieve with these vertical farms? So at Bowery, we're building smart indoor warehouse scale farms that we locate close to the cities and the communities that we serve, and we stack our crops from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. We grow under lights that mimic the spectrum of the sun. And we grow in a totally controlled and contained environment. So we can grow 365 days of the year, completely independent of weather and seasonality. And on top of it, it is completely pesticide-free, completely agrochemical-free food. We are over 100 times plus more productive than a square foot of farmland. And all the while, we use a small fraction of water compared to traditional agriculture. And, and what powers it is automation, robotics, software, computer vision, and AI, which orchestrates the entire operation from before our seeds are planted until we deliver our product. Yeah. And it's delicious. Very important. <laughs> the taste is important. Is that? <laughs> yes. So, you know, from a, from a chef's perspective, um, I'm sure you have many food companies approaching you wanting to do business with you. Why, why invest in, in Bowery Farming? Yeah, well, over the years, um, I've been approached by several, um, uh, you know, indoor growing facilities. And, and, you know, I would try the product and it just wasn't, it wasn't flavorful. And when, when I met Irving and uh, it was uh, the arugula that I, I got addicted to, um, it was so peppery and so pungent. And he actually said to me, well, if you want it even spicier, I can make it spicier. I was like, well, how? He said, we have the technology. We can actually change the UV lights on it and make it spicier. And I was completely hooked at that point. Um, and, and partly because, you know, at first I wasn't even thinking from using it in the restaurant. Um, we're known for supporting small family farms and continue to do that. But it was, it was more from a consumer because um, I also shop for my family at home and, and cook at home. And um, there was a host of other reasons why I thought it was important. Climate change is one of them. We can touch on that later. Um, the idea of what is local food. Um, and so to me, it made perfect sense. Um, enough that, as you mentioned, um, I'm not up here just because um, I, I like their food. I've, I'm a very early investor in the company as well because I, I, I just looked at what Irving was doing and it was far sort of technology, you know, from a technology standpoint um, and their approach I thought was much better than the other indoor farming operations that I've seen. And, and he took the product, I remember this, and brought it right back into the kitchen and put it in the service that evening, which I guess is the greatest compliment from a chef that you can possibly get. And it was, it was an exciting moment for us. Well, I, I, had to, I had to bend the arm of a lot of my chefs because they, they weren't sold on it yet. And um, um, once they, they came around to it, I mean, the, the, early, the early problem was we, we couldn't get enough product. Now, now we can. Um, so it's, it's, been, it's been really great for our, for our teams, especially... You know, on the East Coast, listen, in, you know, out here in Southern California, you guys are blessed with beautiful weather year-round. Um, in, in New York, not, not the case. And so um, local for us means something very different in the middle of the winter. Local means Bowery. So what does this mean for seasonal cooking then? 
Good question. I don't think it really changes, um, with the exception, and I guess we'll, we'll, I'll bring this up now. Um, I had been for a while uh, coaxing Irving into in looking at berries, and very excitedly, I got a phone call a couple weeks ago. It was right before Valentine's Day, saying we have it. Like we do it. Try, you have to try these. And again, they were sent to the restaurant. Um, I wasn't there yet, and I got there. And my chef, two of my chefs were there, and they were like, "These are amazing." Um, and so we use them. Now, I'd say, well, strawberries in the middle of winter in New York, kind of out of season. But they were grown locally. They were in season there. And so they did make perfect sense. Um, and so I think it can change the idea of what local and seasonal is. Sure. So can you tell us more about kind of the technology behind what you're doing and how you can kind of manipulate different yeah. flavors? A big part of what we've built, I mean, we've really built the entire technology stack, not only within inside of our farms, but actually inside of the entire operation, really because what we're doing is not just a reinvention of farming. I mean, certainly if, if you were to see a Bowery farm, it does not look like the uh, fairy tale farms we've all grown up seeing. Uh, but we're really... Neither do most farms. Yes. <laughs> we're reinventing the entire supply chain is what we're doing because we're taking away the reality that says only certain crops grow at certain times of the year in certain places. We can grow any crop anywhere all year long. And so what really drives a lot of this is what we call the Bowery operating system. And so it's a combination of software, hardware, computer vision, and AI that orchestrates everything that we do. And the first place it shows up is we have a whole network of sensors and controls inside of our farms that are measuring and monitoring any type of data and climate-related attribute that impacts our crops. And that data gets ingested and it gets combined with data from our computer vision system, which is looking at our crops and both understanding what is happening with that crop right now, but even more importantly, the more time that's transpired, we can very accurately predict what will happen to that crop in the future. And so then all of that data gets run through other machine learning algorithms and our system says, based on what we see and what we know, what changes to the individual environment around that crop do we want to make? And it's very similar to this notion of terroir. It's actually what Tom was talking about when a spice or arugula are changing the actual flavor profile. And thousands of years and certainly hundreds of years of agriculture have really been about how do you control for the externalities that we can't control. That's why we have genetic modification. That's why we have pesticides. That's why we have fertilizers. That's why we have mechanization on farms. We now can control those externalities. And that really changes the entire equation. And it's through technology, through software, through the actual hardware components that our team's built that, that makes that all possible. And so what are you growing? So there's arugula, but can you kind of give us a scope of like all the different things that you're working on? One of the things people are always surprised by is anything can actually grow indoors. Now, I will tell you, I don't believe everything will be grown indoors, ultimately. Uh, some crops are just going to make more sense to be grown outside. Uh, but anything can grow indoors. If you go to Epcot Center, people will usually bring that up and they say, oh, I remember I saw you know palm trees or coconut trees. Uh, right now, commercially, we focus on leafy greens and herbs. And a big part of that for us is because building a company, I think, in the early days is about focus. That's a really important attribute of just getting moving. Um, 
That said, our team has grown hundreds and hundreds of varieties of different crops. I mean, we have a, a large agricultural science team and a large research and development area in, in New Jersey where our first farms are. And so this is berries, this is tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, mushrooms, onions, carrots, other root vegetables, tubers. So when we think about the market opportunity, this is a $100 billion worth of crops just in the U.S. alone every year and about a trillion dollars worth of crops globally. And that doesn't account for orchard crops and stone fruits that doesn't account for you know commodity crops in the field like wheat and corn and soy and crops like that which which maybe someday may make more sense indoors but but today that's not our focus um and i guess what does this mean for uh the way we eat like looking five years into the future um looking at supply chain issues um sustainability what are you hoping will happen? Like, what does the expansion plan look like five years from now? Tom and I will probably have similar views, but in, in sort of from different angles. So first of all, I, I believe just investing in food and agriculture is one of the most important places that capital can be directed to right now. And it's been I think for me, fantastic to see just from when we got started at Bowery to today, the landscape of agricultural investments and in food investments, which I think speaks to the fact that both technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in agriculture and food, and secondarily, that there is a real impetus and imperative to put dollars to work here, not just for the good of the world, but because there's enormous financial returns on the other side of this as well. So I think that, that piece right off the bat is important. Uh, you know, I was talking about this earlier on with, uh, you know, Laura, who, who I guess had said something about us, Bowery, very nicely. We live in a world today where we think about things in 15-second video clips and, and the next hour of my life and the next two days of my life, the next week of my life. The, the changes in agriculture and climate are not going to take hold in the next three weeks. They're not going to take hold in the next three months, and some of them aren't going to take hold in the next three years. But we are heading for an extraordinarily challenged time when it comes to our agricultural system. We rely on resources that are not there today and will be there in a less lower and lower capacity moving forward. Just in the last 40 years, we've lost 30% of all of our arable farmland. And so we need to find a different way to eat, we need to find a different way to grow food. And that does not suggest that bowering and indoor farming is the only answer. This is a massive problem and an extraordinarily large industry that needs solutions in many, many places. So Bowery will become a larger and larger aspect of the fruit and vegetable basket that we all consume on a regular basis. And that expansion will look like crop expansion. It'll look like geographic expansion across the U.S. And ultimately, it'll really look like global expansion as well. But that's going to happen in concert with a number of other solutions that we as a global society need for us to continue to exist and thrive. Yeah, it's, it's also um, it's, it's a hedge against climate change. Um, if you're following the news, you see right now there's devastating floods in Australia. Early fall in Australia, this is where the growing lettuces, perfect time to grow lettuces. And so right now that lettuce crop is, is, is wiped out. We saw the same thing about five years ago in Spain. Um, there were devastating floods that pretty much wiped out all the lettuce production in, in, in Spain for most of Europe. And so if you're growing indoors, you're not, these, these catastrophes, that are, these climate catastrophes are not going to affect the food that's grown indoors. So it's also a hedge against climate, climate change. And so how many farms do you have operating right now? We have 
two and soon to be later this month, three commercial farms. And we have two R&D farms. We just opened last year, towards the end of last year, a farm we call FarmX, which increases our R&D capacity by over 300%. And we have two new farms that we just recently announced that we're building in Atlanta and in Texas as well. And so we're, we're starting to expand into to brand new markets. And you know, we can talk about this later on, but but the work that the team is doing just around the crops and seed breeding and what you can do in a natural breeding process, but done indoors, is just a whole other attribute of of what's happening at Bowery that is just exciting about you know what the future looks like. To the question you asked before, so what does what do the actual farms look like? What what happens when you walk into Bowery Farm? Big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, put, you put little booties on your feet. You wear, you wear even, even with my head, I have to wear a cap. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it doesn't look like a farm, but go ahead. I, what I always have found interesting is that the first thing many people say when they walk into our farm is, wow, this smells like a farm. And the first thing we say to people is like, it is a farm, right? Like, what's the definition of a farm? It's where you grow food, right? And we are growing food differently than what it looks like at, you know, in the Central Valley here, but we are still growing food just like anybody else. And so it smells like a farm. It feels like a farm. It's also much more technical than oftentimes people are expecting. Uh, there is an enormous amount of orchestration of our automation, but also of our workflow overall that happens through the Bowery operating system. And so you see machinery, you see robots moving along, you see plants growing. And what usually strikes people is the scale and the autonomy of the entire operation sort of working in concert with one another. And, And one of the reasons that's important for us as well is our farmers in many cases don't have any agricultural experience at all. The Bowery OS tells our farmers what to do and when to do it. It handles work ordering and, and work management and, and organizes all of the automation. And so people know what they need to do, where they need to do it. They don't have to be longtime farmers. They don't have to have worked in a field. And so the, the folks who work on our farms are from our communities, they're where we are. And so there's this interesting, it was particularly acute during COVID, this real sense of pride that people are coming and actually growing food for the communities that they're living in. And these are long-term green jobs in these communities, which in many cases, you know, we're, we're building in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm sure most people hear that and think of steel. Not a lot of steel jobs in, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania right now. These are new jobs coming in, uh, in, in the green and the sustainable sector. So these farms sound fancy. <laughs> um, so what does that mean for uh, the affordability of, of the greens? Uh, what's the price point? So we sell at the price of organic today. And that, that's important to us. And, and so we're sort of right there at the organic price point. And you know, with a product that is certainly fresher, it is pesticide-free, it's a higher quality product. And where we're excited is because much of what's happening outdoors is somewhat asymptotic. Even in greenhouses, your sort of ability to improve is somewhat limited because these technologies have been around for decades and decades our curve is just really beginning. And so what we can do with that is continue to grow more and more crops, continue to drive pricing down to offer more crops at cheaper prices. So really what we want to do is how do you democratize access to high quality fresh produce? You know, Tom talked about you know, farmer's markets. The reality is even in California where you can go to a farmer's market and get local produce, like what percentage of California actually does that? It's a very small percentage. Right? Either you can't afford it, you can't get there. People go to the grocery store. And so if we can put product that is 
better than what you find at a farmer's market or right alongside of the quality of what you find at a farmer's market, really, and you can put that in a grocery store for anyone to access, that's pretty powerful and transformative. And what is production like now? Where, like, where can I find your greens now? So we are in over a thousand retailers now. We are we are not on in California yet, uh, but we brought samples, right? That's the only reason I agreed to. Yes, I think I hope so at least. And uh, so we are in everywhere from uh, Walmart to Whole Foods to Ahold. We work with Amazon. We work with Albertsons. So really different types of retailers, from local specialty retailers and markets to all the major grocery stores in the Mid Atlantic and the New England area that that people shop at every day. The idea is there's something called cross shopping. Most people don't only shop at one place and I'm sure some people are sort of nodding their head and so we want to be in those places where our consumers are going on a regular basis. And Tom, for someone who's shopping for or trying to source multiple restaurants, um, how do you see, I guess, vertical farming playing into how you're going to be doing that in the future? There's a factor of just, you know, reliability. Um, when you're, you know, purchasing food for restaurants, you can't have something that's short. It's like, you know, you put the water in and your delivery is shorter and it's shorter for, for whatever reason. And so you have a much more reliable product because it's grown indoors. They know exactly what they're harvesting, when they're harvesting it. Um, and in, in most cases, they'll, they'll, they'll tailor the grow to your needs. So if I need, you know, two cases of arugula a day, they know that ahead of time and they can just factor that into the system. So they're, they're pulling two a day for me. Um, so, so yeah, it's just it's a reliability factor. And, and I think Tom's point is something that's really important here for our retail partners as well as folks like Tom is surety of supply. And what really is compromised in a much more unstable climate world is that surety of supply. I mean, there was a situation you know, about a year ago where there was big problems in a lot of the arugula fields because of overwatering and, and too much rain and you just couldn't find it. And we have the ability not only to provide that surety of supply, but secondarily, we can flex really quickly, right? We have agility that you don't have in a farm. I mean, a farm is essentially planting for the year, and that's kind of it. And then you're doing it again next year. We, we are planting crops every single day. It, it's for us across our network, millions and millions of crop cycles that we're learning from and understanding. I mean, the data around that itself is incredibly powerful. Let's talk more about the taste. <laughs> so... What does that mean that you can call Irving up and say, you know what, I want this arugula to be more peppery? Or, or, or can you, like, what is the craziest thing you've asked for so far? Well, the, the, the craziest thing that I've had there is the wasabi arugula, where it, it is peppery as, as wasabi, and, and, but it's, it's arugula. And it, it's shocking. Um, but it, it's, and it doesn't taste artificial at all. It's, 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 it's natural. But, um, you know, there was a, I kind of knew of, of uh, there was a, a, a scientist that was doing work in Florida on changing the flavor profile of strawberries just by using different UV lights. So I kind of understood what, what uh, Bowery was doing uh, with their lights. But you can literally call up and say, I want my peppery. Now, the great thing about that is I can get something that is slightly different than the restaurant next door because I'm asking him to grow something particular for me, which is really, really difficult to do with farmers. Um, as much as, you know, you can bring farmers some seeds sometimes and they'll grow stuff for you, um, but you can't tailor an individual crop to a chef's taste. And here, uh, at least for me, they're doing that. I don't, I don't know how frequently they're doing that with everybody else. But so it's, it, it's important. But so reliability, um, you know, being able to, to, to custom uh, blend products, I think that's all important. But I think also um, from a food waste standpoint, um, there's a ton of waste in farms. 
Um, there's a lot left behind in the fields, uh, especially when things aren't you know grown exactly right. They're not grown to the right size. Um, you go into Bowery, there's there's almost the waste is negligible. Um, the other thing is there's very little water waste. I think you reclaim 95% of the water that you use. And so there's very little water waste. And especially nowadays when water is becoming such an important commodity. Um, and I think that we're going to start to see farmers struggling, especially out, out west here, struggling to find water to water crops. So this, again, um, creates that, that uh, you know, a... a, a um, Availability that will be, you know, consistent uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, and so, typically, if you were to work with a traditional farm, uh, and you said, uh, you know, I would like you to work on this crop. Here's here are some seeds. How long would that take versus getting something tailor made? Well, th- that 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 doesn't take long. But the difference is, in the farm, you can put a different seed in the ground, and that's that's pretty much it. There's a few things you can do in terms of. Uh, you know, if you want to make carrot sweeters, you can use a lot of fish emulsion and things like that to make them sweeter. But you can't mess around with the lights. And so you asked what the farm looked like. Um, I think Irvin gave you a, a pretty good idea of what the farm does. What it looks like is racks, this, this superstructure of these bins. And the bins are what, five by seven? Four by eight. Four by eight. Okay, they're four, they're four by eight, and they're just on these bins. Every bin has a camera, so you can actually see the growth. It has the amount of water that it needs all through the system, nutrients that it needs all through the system. And the cool thing is if you're a farmer and you want to work on it, you can plug in and say, I want, you know, and you, can, you can look at it and you can say, I want this one, plug it in, and the robot just goes and gets it and brings it to you and puts it in front of you and get to work on it and then it goes back up. And it's on a massive scale. I mean, this room here, it would be three times the height and probably 20 times the space. A lot bigger. Yeah, bigger than that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just massive. Um, and it's all automated. And so it looks like a, a very clean manufacturing plant. Um, but it smells like a farm. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and uh, how big are they? Like, is this like a football field size yeah, warehouse? They're, they're, or they're what? sort of, where, yeah, they're not small warehouses. They're, they're, they're sizable warehouses that have space for growing, but then also space for where, you know, you're harvesting and we package. Because what we're essentially doing is we take the entirety of the supply chain, which transpires over thousands of miles today and numbers of different players and distributors, et cetera, and we collapse that down into a single building. And so it's essentially the entire supply chain in one building, very close to the community that we're serving, all powered by renewable energy as well. And that's the other part of this that's powerful is if you tried to power the entire supply chain today with renewable energy, a lot of that technology doesn't, doesn't exist today, right? Tractors and, and even semi-trucks, we're just not there yet. We will be, uh, but we're not there today. And so the only piece of this that, of the puzzle that we don't have is that last small delivery where we go from our farm to the distribu- distribution centers of our retail partners. And, and that, I think that's one of the things that, that, that's exciting for us as well, is, is that we can make this r- very sustainable front to back. And we always have opportunities to do better and to be better, uh, but we've really focused on that component of the business also. Right. All right, I think that's gonna do it for us. Thank you both. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you very much.